0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 75, entitled, What Can We Learn About God and Jesus from Epistolary Greetings? Part 2. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast That aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of god and about the humanity of jesus i hope our podcast has spurred you to starting conversations with your friends and your families about these particular important persons thank you so much for joining us today my name is dustin smith as always i am your host if this is your first time to the podcast i want to say welcome we're happy to have you be sure to subscribe if you don't want to miss out on future episodes. And if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast. In our last episode, we began to examine the epistles within the New Testament, particularly the part of those letters understood by scholars as the introductory greeting thanksgiving. Our desire was to better comprehend how early Christians understood God and Jesus Christ by observing the ways in which they were described and depicted in these epistolary greetings. What we observed thus far is that early Christians would record greetings from, most often, two persons in their letters, from God the Father and Jesus Christ. The term God was always linked with the Father, never with Jesus. On rare occasion, only God the Father would be listed as the giver of grace and peace, suggesting that the Father was the most important of those two persons. What we can be more certain of is our next observation, namely that it was not uncommon for writers to define the relationship between God and Jesus by depicting God as the God and Father of Jesus Christ, indicating that even after the resurrection and exaltation to heaven, Jesus still had a God above him, and Jesus still had a Father. Jesus had not been adopted into the being of God. Furthermore, we never once observed the Holy Spirit offering any greetings nor sharing in the giving of grace and peace that the Father and Jesus Christ regularly gave. Having examined the letters from Romans to Colossians, this episode will look at more of the letters within the New Testament, looking from 1 Thessalonians on into the letter of James. We have a lot of data to cover, so without further ado, let's begin this week's study. First letter we'll look at today is 1 Thessalonians. We'll read the first 3 verses. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and the labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. That's 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 3. What we can observe from this introductory greeting is that there is grace and peace, but of course the greeting is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There we have two persons. We have God, and we have Jesus. What we do see is that the title God is reserved for the Father alone. The title God is never given to Jesus Christ. In these first three verses, we also note that Jesus is twice described as the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is almost certainly in attempts to dissuade readers in Thessalonica, from regarding the Roman Emperor as the Lord. Prior to Jesus Christ even being born, the Roman Emperor was described as the Lord, as the Kyrios. And so for Paul to describe Jesus as the Lord Jesus Christ was a way of dissuading readers from thinking of the Roman Emperor as the Lord Caesar. In verse 2, we see that thanksgiving is offered to God alone. It is not offered to Jesus, suggesting that God takes the primary place. And of course, we have no mention anywhere of the Holy Spirit offering any sort of greetings or of Paul offering any sort of thanks to the Holy Spirit. Let's move on to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, in the first three verses. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as it is only fitting because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you towards one another grows ever greater. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. Again, we note that grace and peace is offered from two persons, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We also note that the title God is reserved for the Father alone. It is never used of Jesus Christ. We also note that the thanksgiving is again reserved for God alone. Jesus Christ is not mentioned within the thanksgiving. And of course, as we've seen in every one of our letters, the Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found. The Holy Spirit is not understood as a separate person to whom thanksgiving or grace and peace should be offered. It is always God and Jesus. Moving on to 1 Timothy, first two verses, we can see Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1-2. through 2. What we can see here is that grace, peace, and mercy, we have mercy being included here, are given from God the Father and Christ Jesus. Two persons. The title God again being reserved for the Father and never used of Jesus Christ. God is distinct from Christ Jesus. God here is also described in verse 1 as the Savior. But Savior was a well-known Caesar title. The Roman Emperor was the most commonly ascribed savior within the Roman world. If you were to ask the typical person living in Ephesus, who is the savior? They would most certainly describe the Roman emperor as the likely candidate of that title. And since Ephesus, the destination of 1 Timothy, was a major center of the imperial cult and emperor worship, saying that God is the savior would be to subvert The Claims of the Roman Emperor's Authority. That's a very interesting take on the title Savior. We also note that Jesus is described as Christ Jesus, which is understood as King Jesus. He is the anointed King Jesus. This is not one of those things that you can just translate the other way around and call it Jesus Christ. No, placing the title Christ in front of, of the human name Jesus would have given considerable emphasis to its royal meaning. King Jesus would have lauded Jesus in a way that would have subverted the claims of the Roman Empire and their ruler Caesar and his kingdom the Empire of Rome. So if Jesus was the true King of the true Kingdom of God then the ruler of the Roman Kingdom was further subverted with these titles. And of course, in 1 Timothy, we have no indication of the Holy Spirit offering any sort of greetings or any sort of grace and peace. The Holy Spirit is not observed as a separate person from God. Moving on to 2 Timothy, we can see in the first three verses, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. That's Second Timothy chapter one verses one through three. We note here that two persons are described. Again, it is God the Father and Jesus Christ. Of course, the title God is reserved for the Father alone, never used of Jesus. We have another interesting hint in verse 3, where the writer thanks God. God there is described as the one whom I serve in the way that my forefathers did. This means that the God that is being thanked in 2 Timothy 1.3, is the same God that his Jewish forefathers thanked. That means that the Jewish forefathers, in the way that they understood God, is the same God that is being understood here. The Jewish God was, of course, one person, the God of the Shema, God as described as the Father, Jews did not worship the triune God. They did not understand God as a triune God. They understood God as a single person, God the Father. And Second Timothy 1.3 indicates that the writer is thinking that same God, the God of his forefathers, here. There's no development in the New Testament of the identity of God from being one person to two or three persons based on this particular verse. So it's a subtle reference, but that subtle reference actually tells us quite a bit. That's a good one to mark down for your notes, 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. Of course, there we see that God alone is the recipient of that thanksgiving. Christ is not mentioned, and of course, the Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found. Let's move on to Titus. Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, a bondservant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago, but at the proper time manifested, even his word, in the proclamation with which I was entrusted, according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. That's Titus chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Again here we see two persons, God the Father and Christ Jesus. God again is a title reserved for the Father alone, never used of Jesus, and as we've seen in 1st and 2nd Timothy, Christ Jesus is used in a way to give emphasis to the royal, anointed, kingly title given to the human being Jesus. Christ there is put in front for emphasis. He is King Jesus, the anointed King Jesus. Both the Father and Jesus Christ in Titus are described as saviors. In Titus 1.3, the Father is, God is described as the Savior, and in Titus 1.4, Jesus Christ, or more specifically, Christ Jesus is described as a Savior. Apart from the previously mentioned point about how early Christians began ascribing Caesar's title to God, we here have God acting as a Savior through the human being Jesus, both of whom are called Saviors using the same Greek word, soter. But this, too, is not unprecedented. The Septuagint, which is the earliest translation of the Hebrew Bible into Greek, used the same title, Savior, of both God and of human agents. Dozens of times within the Septuagint, human agents are called Savior, the Greek noun, soter. In fact, the book of Esther in the Septuagint calls God the Savior in Esther 5.1 and the human being Mordecai the Savior in Esther 8.12. So for God and someone else to both be called Savior within the same book does not indicate any co-equality. It rather indicates that God is the primary Savior and that he saved through a human agent. And in the case of Titus, the human agent is Jesus, the Savior. Of course, there is no Holy Spirit giving greetings, and there's no Holy Spirit that is described as the Savior. The Holy Spirit is just completely absent from these introductions. Moving on to Philemon, letter written by Paul. It says in the first four verses... Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers. That's Philemon chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Just seems like a broken record here, but we continue to see that grace and peace are offered from two persons, God and Jesus. God is the Father, and Jesus Christ is distinct from God as the risen Lord. The title God is reserved for the Father alone. And in verse 4, when Paul thanks God... In his prayers, that thanksgiving is reserved for God alone. Jesus is not thanked in those prayers. with Nothing against Jesus, I'm sure, but it just seems that the prayer language and the thanksgiving language is reserved for the Father alone. And of course, no Holy Spirit anywhere to be found. Let's move on to James. James will be the last epistle that we look at in our study for this week. James is very short in its introduction. James chapter 1 and verse 1 says, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. That again is James chapter 1 and verse 1. We see there very clearly that James is a bond servant of God and a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, there are two persons and the lord jesus christ is someone distinct from god jesus is not described as god he is described very clearly as someone who is distinct from god he is still the risen lord jesus christ but someone who is set alongside god in this opening greetings of course the holy spirit is not mentioned at all james does not say that he is a bond servant of the holy spirit If James believed in the triune God, you would think that he would say that he is a bondservant of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't. He says that he is a bondservant of God, and a bondservant of someone who is distinct from God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the introductory greetings, common enough In the New Testament epistolary literature have much to say about God and Jesus Christ first we noticed that grace and peace and sometimes mercy were always offered from two persons God the Father and Jesus Christ second we observed that the title God was always reserved for the Father alone which points to a unitary monotheism of the Father being the only true God. Third, thanksgiving language was sometimes offered up in the letters, but thanks was always offered to God, never to Jesus Christ, suggesting the primacy of God over Jesus Christ. Fourth, the titles Savior and Lord were taken away from the Roman emperors and described to Jesus Christ, indicating a deliberate, subversive effort, both politically and theologically, between the kingdom of Rome and the kingdom of God. Fourth, it was observed that, within the letter to Titus, that both God and Jesus were described as Savior, but this sort of naming of both God and a human being was common enough in the Septuagint that it need not suggest anything more than the regular way of God acting as the primary divine Savior in and through his human saving agent. Lastly, the Holy Spirit was completely absent from any and all greetings and offerings of grace and peace. We are left to conclude, based on the epistolary introductions, that early Christians subscribed to a strictly Unitarian theology with a high human Christology, rather than subscribing to any sort of Trinitarian paradigm. Please look forward to our next episode where we will wrap up our epistolary study. And be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family if you think they would enjoy it. If you enjoy our Biblical Unitarian podcast, please consider supporting us. You can check out our episode description or the attached Google document for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for listening to us. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I'm your host. And until next time, you folks take care.